When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, my name is Karen Cowdery, and I am the breeder owner of Blackfire Belgians. My primary Belgian is the Tavirin variety. Everywhere else in the world, they are one breed, four varieties. In the United States, we did a little bit different, and we are actually four separate variety, uh, breeds in the United States. There's the Tavir- Belgian Tavirin the Belgian Shepherd or Belgian Sheepdog, which is all black, that's called the Gronendal in Europe. Then there is the Belgian Malinois, which many people are familiar with, uh, quite frequently used by the military and in police work, short coat, uh, fawn with blackening. And then there is the Belgian Malinois, which is the rarest of all the Belgians. I actually own one. He was the second CM, which is Certificate of Merit. When you're in the AKC's miscellaneous program, you earn Certificates of Merits versus Championships. Um, Arson is going to be 10 years old on July 19th. Once we were finally recognized, which was July 1st of last year, as a real breed in Lake Amois, Arson was getting a bit old. So I haven't shown him, but I do show Lake Amois, and that is my secondary Belgian variety that lives with me. Um, but I've lived with all four varieties in my home. I have been in Belgium since 1987. I grew up with dogs. I grew up with hunting dogs. The very first purebred dog we had was when I was born. My parents had a wear hair fox terrier puppy. And at six months of age, they got a distemper shot for her. That was way back in 1966. Well, by then it was 1967. And they used a live distemper vaccine at that time unfortunately she contracted distemper from the vaccine and died the second dog we got was also a purebred dog she was a purebred english springer spaniel that we got from a breeder and they gave her to our family because she was a yellow color which is not desirable we called her taffy because you know we were real original back in the 70s with our naming um and from there we ended up with an airedale as well purebred airedale i still love that breed today um and my dad got into bird hunting pretty heavily and we looked around for a dog that would be a nice dog to live with for hunting but also be good with the family and we settled on the german wirehead pointer and i had co-owned german wirehead pointers from about 1977 until just recently the last one that i co-owned uh, passed away two years ago but i'm still very involved with german wirehead pointers i show a lot of them uh, i am a professional dog handler um, as well as being involved with uh, my breeding program so i work with a lot of other breeds i also do a training with behavioral challenge dogs mm-hmm. um, at times so I got seriously involved in, to, in Belgian Tavirin in the late 80s after I went to a dog show with a student. I used to teach horse riding lessons. I'm a horse person as well as a dog person. And I had injured myself and I couldn't show horses for a while. And she took me to a dog show and they asked me to just take a dog back in the ring. They just needed a body, any body. And off I went and we won. 
we won winner's dog, best to winner's best to breed from the classes with this filler dog. I was hooked. I went, well, this is like halter and horses. I can do this. And I decided I wanted to show dogs. And I felt if I got a sporting breed, uh, my dad and other members of my family would give me grief because they were hunting people. And back at that time, it was very much felt that your dog couldn't be a show dog and hunt. We know better today. But at that time, that's kind of how things rolled. I wanted a breed that was very smart. I have a lot of energy. Back then, I had a lot more energy. I'm 54 now. Back then, I was, you know, in my early 20s. Um, but I wanted to breed with a lot of energy that could do a lot of things. I thought I would love to do obedience, so I wanted a very smart dog. And back then, we did not have the internet. We had books, and we had dog shows. Mm-hmm. I looked at Shelties too small. I liked a bit bigger dog. I looked at Dobermans. I loved Dobermans. They're smart. They're they're able to do a lot of things. Um, I was considering Dobermans. And then across a field at what used to be the Brush Prairie Washington Dog Shows, which was a huge cluster that they used to have, I saw this dog that was the most beautiful-looking dog I'd ever seen. And I did the standard, hey, lady, what kind of dog is that (laughs) question? And the woman answered me very kindly and very patiently and told me it was a Belgian Tiberian. And I said, a what? Mm. <laughs> and she said, Tiberian, like Van Buren. And she gave me a bit of information and about the breed itself. They were a herding dog. They were smart. They, you know, needed a, a home that was active and a little bit experienced in dogs and that could be as smart as the dog, hopefully. And I was hooked. I spent a year researching, writing letters, because, again, we didn't have the Internet back then, um, trying to find information and trying to find breeders. An acquaintance in Old English Sheepdogs directed me towards a person who was in Oregon who had the number one Belgian Tavirian country at the time and was breeding her first litter. And I spoke to her and got on her waiting list. That first litter was born. There was only one puppy in it was spoken for. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to wait. Two months later, I got a phone call and said, there's been a change. The person couldn't take the dog. Are you interested? And that's how I got my first Tiburon. And he was champion Sky Acres, Valiant Teddy PT. (laughs) And he was my first introduction into having my own show dog and really got me launched into Buren and I never looked back. (laughs) Um, I've never been without one since and I don't envision ever being without one moving forward. Um, A lot of things have changed between now and then. I did, I never ended up breeding my first dog. I thought I would and then I, I educated myself more deeply in the breed and got mentorship from people from all around the world and back in the day that meant picking up the phone and calling places like England and Sweden and spending a lot of money on long-distance phone bills and writing a lot of letters mm-hmm. uh, to gain information and knowledge and just try to learn. And, and I started studying not only the AKC breed standard, but also the FCI breed standard to understand the country of origin. Um, breed standards, in my opinion, are really important. I come from Arabian horses 
And so it was my passion to study pedigrees and, and lineages and go back generations and trace, trace parentages back and see how consistent some programs could be with that. And, and I, I, I learned to do the same through dogs. And I think that's what's helped me be successful many years later today with my own program. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not breed my first litter until the year 2000. I washed a couple of my first dogs. I needed to be in a position that I was in a ability to take a dog back, financially stable, had property. All of those things came into play. And in 2000, I bred my first litter, and it was a success. And out of that litter came a particular male, which was champion um, Blackfire Never Ending Wild. And Wild was a multiple group winning dog was a multiple specialty winning dog and produced many lovely offspring who were themselves specialty winning dogs and group winning dogs and producers of said. So it was a, it was a really strong foundation. I was lucky enough to uh, be able to build off of. Um, and um, uh, I have moved forward with my original foundation and bred and bred and bred forward from that, trying to not take any steps backwards and always keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, Over the years, I have been fortunate enough to have dogs that have been top winning dogs in places like Bogota, Colombia and Mexico. I've sent dogs to England um, and I have imported a few dogs over the years as well. Uh, So, it's, it's been an incredible journey in that respect. Um, in terms of the Belgian Tiviran, or any of the Belgians, the Belgian Shepherds in general, they are a herding breed. Herding breeds, by their very nature, have a tendency to be what I call the drama queens and kings of the dog world. Mm -hmm. They need to be alert and reactive to their environments to do their job. With that can come a bit of a tendency to be a little too reactive to their environment if we don't do the proper socialization. And also if as breeders, we don't pay attention to dogs that are a little too sound sensitive, a little too visual reactive. If we aren't careful and don't weed those out of our breeding programs, then we end up with with problems, with dogs that are too reactive and make it hard for them to lead a happy, comfortable life in a normal day-to-day situation. No breed is certainly a breed for just everybody, Belgians in general are not necessarily the very best first-time dog owner breed um, because they're very smart and manipulative. So I mentioned earlier, they're kind of the drama kings and queens. No, kind of. They're very much the drama kings and queens of the dog world, herding dogs are. Um, And they're manipulative. They're smart. They figure out in a hurry, oh, if I go, oh, my God, the world's coming to a... Uh, halt if that person touches me and I growl at him and that person moves away if they try that when they're six months and it works they'll keep trying it Mm -hmm. so you have to be a little bit aware of those types of things and be on top of them when they're young Mm -hmm. do the right training and the right socialization Uh, a lot of it is 
very much of, oh, knock it off. You're just fine. Get over yourself. And when you do that and they don't get the response they want, they go, oh, well, that didn't work. I won't do that again. Um, if you cave into it and go, oh, no, baby. Oh, no, you're right. Let's be worried. Then they'll just feed off of that. Um, so they're a dog that you need to be a thinking person because they're a thinking breed. They, they, they think through a lot of things and they can overthink. Um, they're, they're type A personalities by virtue of being herding breeds. They tend to be a little more type A so they can stress themselves out over silly things to worry about. You know, they're, they're, they're the person that lays awake at night and goes, oh my gosh, you know, in 20 years, have I stuck, if I stuck to this plan, I won't get here and I need to change this and I need to redo that and I need to rethink this. That's a Belgian. The brain's always going. Um, um, so being willing and able to give them a job and give them a sense of purpose, but also just being very calm and no nonsense yourself with them tends to bring about a very stable minded dog at the end of the day. If the breeding foundation has been correct from the get go, like any breed of dog, you know, you, you want to work with a responsible breeder who's mindful of the fact that well if i have this bitch and she's beautiful but she's a little noise reactive if they do decide to breed her they, they want to do their homework and make sure that the pedigree that they're going into doesn't have a lot of dogs who tend to be more noise reactive or you're going to have a whole litter that's going to tend to be more noise reactive more than you want kind of a scenario mm-hmm. um in terms of health we are an overall fairly healthy breed now, I'm, I'm, I say that because I just know a lot of breeds in general that certainly have more continued health issues. We're fairly fortunate. Unfortunately, like any breed, we do have some issues. Epilepsy is a serious problem in Belgians. It happens. We, there is no genetic test available at this time. They've been working for many years. It's polygenic so it that means it caused if there's multiple genes involved is what they think it's not a simple recessive so it's created challenges to try to pinpoint and find a reliable type of testing scenario um if a belgian breeder tells you that there's no epilepsy in their lines at all that's not a belgian breeder i would buy a dog from and that doesn't necessarily mean that they personally have produced a bunch of epilepsy but if you look at any pedigree deep enough and study and understand your pedigree somewhere in the pedigree there's dogs that have either seizured or produced it mm-hmm. because that is the nature of the breed and in my opinion we need to be more forthcoming and honest about that um knock on wood i personally have been fairly fortunate and have had very minimal seizure issues within my program but there's no such thing as a complete issue-free line the other issue that's popped its head up worse over the last 15 years or so has been cancer in general although we're still fairly good for most cancers stomach cancer does seem to become more prevalent especially with certain combinations but it can happen in any pedigree but there does seem to be maybe a bit of a higher propensity within Belgians of all of the long-haired varieties, the Malinois seem less inclined to be struck by it as do the Lakenwa, but it's not a hundred percent. But they do seem to have far less percentage of it, but the Tavirin and the Grunendal or the Belgian sheepdog 
do have stomach cancer popping up in higher percentages than I would like to see. And some pedigree combinations seem stronger than others for it. So it's something to talk, have a conversation with a potential breeder about. And again, if they tell you, oh, well, I've never, ever encountered a problem. Well, that's fine. But what about the rest of the pedigree? They should be able to talk to you about grandparents and great grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and nephews and nieces if they've done their homework. And I would say, honestly, that applies to any breed that you're interested in. When you're looking at a dog, a good breeder will have done their homework and they will understand and they will be forthcoming with potential issues. Um, um, and, and, if you feel that everything's completely rosy and they've never, ever, ever had anything and they've bred more than three litters in their life, it's just something I would be, I would dig for more information and, and, and I would ask more people about those particular lines before I necessarily felt confident that that was a full representation of the true story. Um, but overall, at the end of the day, we have minimal heart issues. We have minimal eye issues. We have minimal cancer compared to many breeds. And our longevity on average is very good for a larger breed. It's not unusual to see 12 to 15 years of age in an adult Belgian. Um, my own personal dogs, I have lost a dog as young as, as, young as 11 and a half um, that was the youngest dog I ever lost, and she did have bladder cancer. It was very unusual. Her offspring, however, um, have lived quite long, as have her grand offspring so far. So um, we do think it was one off. And her two brothers both lived to be over 15, um, as did both of her. Her mother was almost 14, and her father was 15. And her and grandparents were also elderly for the most part. So um, longevity is something to ask your breeder about, mm -hmm. you know. On average, to have the dogs in the family lived past 10. I mean, that's the minimum I want to see when I'm looking at a, a pedigree. But I really prefer to see that they're making it to at least 12, preferably 13 on average. Um, um, so we are a fairly healthy breed comparatively. But there are things to be aware of and, and ask about and just understand that there's no genetic test, so we can't completely guarantee that we couldn't produce some of these things. Uh, minimum health testing requirements by the ABTC, the American Belgian Severian Club, is OFA hips, OFA elbows, OFA thyroid, and OFA eyes. It used to be called SURF, now OFA has taken over the eyes. So those are the four minimum tests that you want to see um, that a breeder has done. And you would want to generally see passing on all of those things. If it's not, you would want to understand the reasons behind why they used a dog that may not have passed something. Sometimes there's a good reason to use the dog. Um, sometimes there's not. But mm -hmm. is, is that person honest about it? Did they let you know up front? Mm -hmm. And what was their reason behind it? Um, so those are all things that, again apply to any breed of dog but within our breed specific those are the minimum health tests that you want to see that someone has done um in terms of why did i stick with tiburon 
again, I felt they were the, one of the most beautiful breeds of dog I'd ever seen. They ticked off all the boxes for me. They were smart, easy to train, active, willing to do anything I asked them to. They love to hang out with me. They always want to be with me to the point of sometimes I get tired of having three or four shadows under my feet constantly. Um, <laughs> but um, if you don't want a dog that wants to follow you even five feet across the room, a Belgian is not for you. Uh, because that's just, they're like, oh, you're going to get up and move five feet? Well, we're going to get up and move five feet with you. And uh, mine are pretty good now because I do some training when they're young of, nope, you can stay. I'm just moving five feet. You don't need to get up. But it does take a little bit of training to get them to that point because just their nature of who they are, they want to they be right with you. And some of them are more so than others. I mean, but as a rule, they're they're not as independent, they're more uh, interested in having that partnership and crawling up under your skin if they could. <laughs> Don't leave me. I need to follow you everywhere. I am positive that if you shut that bathroom door, you will disappear forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's lo- that's seriously life with a Belgian. <laughs> right. Um, I ran a pretty good crew of dogs i have a lot of client dogs that come and go regularly my dogs are able to integrate very successfully with other dogs uh, you know they in general they're a breed that can play well with others again provided there's training supervision and correct socialization as well as a good foundation mm-hmm. talk to the breeders do, do their dogs tend to be a little more overt and a little more um i I don't really want to use the word aggressive per se but some dogs look for a reason to pick a fight Mm -hmm. it's not that they'll necessarily start it but they'll pick it if given the opportunity Mm -hmm. and some dogs will look at the dog that wants to pick the fight and just go seriously whatever dude and ignore it and ignore it until they're and you know until they're a force to address it um I have a big rule about no unwarranted dog-on-dog aggression. I mean, dogs are going to be dogs. Occasionally, there's going to be tussles, just like humans are going to be humans, and they're going to have arguments, too, no matter how well you get along with. At some point in time, you're going to argue with your spouse or your sibling or your parents or a coworker or somebody. But are you going to argue with them, or are you going to have an all-out fist fight? And as a breeder, I pay attention to what lines tend to instantly want to go all-out fist fight, back to my... Uh, Irish heritage (laughs) (laughs) or are they going to kind of tend to be more stoic and kind of want to go you know just stop just knock it off until they're finally forced to defend themselves Mm -hmm. Um, because again I want a dog that's well-rounded comfortable confident and that is a joy to live with not a challenge that has to be managed Mm -hmm. 24-7 but as an overall rule, they generally can play well with others. Um, I have a lot of other people's Belgians that come through my door, and generally they can, with a little bit of supervision and work, can be integrated into my group of dogs. And, you know, even for the few weeks or months that they stay with me, learn to play well and, and can live in harmony with my own crew. Uh, and, and I value that. And even when I bring other breeds in, they they can play well with others unless it's a breed some breeds just inherently are not great at playing well with others by the nature of what they're bred to do um and those dogs you just don't try to integrate into a pack you give them their own space and let them have their let them have their thing 
Um, but Belgians can generally integrate into a group. They are fairly social. They, they enjoy living with another dog in the household kind of a scenario. What they don't enjoy and they don't do well with, though, is it's not a breed that you can leave out in the kennel 24-7 or throw out in your yard 24-7 and occasionally pull out of the yard and do something with. They want to be with the, the people. They want to be in the thick of the attention and the activity and what's going on. Um, they're not very happy if they're not. And especially if they do live alone and they don't have a buddy to play with, um, it's really not a dog you can leave just out and about 24-7 to fend for themselves because they get bored and they, when they get bored, they come up with creative ways to entertain themselves and you're usually not going to enjoy that creative way. All right. Whether it's digging or jumping over a fence or going under a fence or barking their head off or destroying your interior of your house if you left them loose, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things um, they will do if left to their own devices with no supervision and no good activity to keep them busy and happy. So um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a breed that is for someone who wants to do things with their dog. And by things, I don't mean you have to show them or you have to do sports like agility or obedience competition wise, but you do have to do the things with them. You know, you, they, they have to, be able to go hiking with you they have to be able to go camping with you they they you know want to hop in the car and go for a car ride while you run errands around town if it's not 105 degrees outside kind of a scenario they they do better when they can be involved on a regular day-to-day basis with everything that the family's involved with can a belgian be a good family dog like any breed of dog it depends on the individual dog itself and the training of the dog and the training of the family. Um, I personally uh, would not ever recommend leaving any younger children unsupervised with any breed of dog ever. Uh, you know, dogs are dogs and kids are kids and they're going to act accordingly. Um, so I have successfully placed several Belgians in fairly new homes. Uh, new to new to Belgians and or even new to dogs that have grown up with younger children and thrived and done a, done beautifully well, um, but it was just the right dog with just the right temperament traits as well as the parents themselves were super awesome about being very on top of their kids' behaviors mm-hmm. and their puppies' behaviors both. They, they did a good job of managing both and making sure that the puppies and the children interacted correctly with one another. Um, I had one failure that uh, we placed a home with a lovely, lively family. and They loved the dog. They told me they loved how much the dog when he was a little puppy and he would run around and chase the kids. And I said, that's a really bad idea. He's a herding breed. He's going to get to nipping at clothes and jumping up and somebody's going to get hurt. Well, fast forward till the dog was about 13 months old, and he was a 68-pound male, 25 and a half inches tall, and he was running and playing with the kids, chasing like they kept letting him do, and they had a friend's kid over, and the dog pulled the T-shirt through, you know, pulled the back of the T-shirt, but he pinched the kid's skin. Mm -hmm. Well, that cost him a lot of money. 
even though it wasn't an actual true bite, the animal control sided with the dog in that instance, which, you know, was a good thing for the dog. But their insurance company gave him an ultimatum because the insurance company settled for $30,000. So um, uh, we took the dog back. And the dog went into a different home for the rest of his life. And he lived with two elderly women, as a matter of fact, and was a perfect companion for them for the next 13 and a half years. So, you know, it it, it, it did have a happy ending for the dog, luckily, because there's some places if that happens, a dog, it's, a, it's a death sentence. Yeah. You know, some counties that, that would be considered an actual real life dog bite and a death sentence. The dog wasn't acting out in any viciousness. He was being playful and even animal control felt that. But... Um, you know, so we look, I look for families who understand the seriousness of, of having boundaries for the dogs and the kids and, um, but they can be great with their family. You like to run, you love to go out on the trails once they're over 18 months, preferably two years of age. Then I say people, yeah, you can start running with your dog. I want to give those joints a chance to finish growing first. And, um, once they, once they, you know, are, are mature enough for that, they'll happily go out with you and go all day and, and ask to go 20 times more. You know, they, they have the drive and the desire. If you want to learn how to do um, therapy work with the right temperament, they, there are many Belgians who have passed the Delta Society therapy certification and thrive and make wonderful therapy visit dogs as well for nursing homes and hospitals and things like that. Um, some Belgians can work for service dog work. I don't recommend the breed in general, though, um, because they're so in tune to their people. Uh, sometimes service dog work can be a little challenge for some of the Belgians, depending on the type of service dog work, um, because they may not want to allow a stranger to come in to help their human um, if necessary, because they can, they can be protective. They are by nature, they're herding breed. They're, they're pretty protective of their family, hearth and home, which the breed standard says they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. but by protective, that means if, if you indicate to them that it's okay, then they should stand down and be okay with the situation as well. But obviously if you've had a, a medical emergency, they may, you know, you can't let them know it's okay. Then they may be trying to, to guard and protect. So, um, but I have had a few of my Belgians that have successfully worked in, in service dog under varied capacities as well. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty do it all dogs. They were primarily for herding, but also jack of all trades farm dogs when they were developed. Um, and that's what they are today. They're good jack of all trades. They can do a lot of sports well, um and um and they enjoy it they they are fun dogs to train because they like to learn modern day we still it's the Traverse specifically um has many herding champions mm-hmm. under akc's program but also there are other herding venues one is um ahba American Herding Breed Association. Um, there are Belgians who have attained championships in those different organizations, herding champions. There are Belgians who are working farm dogs. I used to have sheep. I ran 30 head of sheep for quite a few years on my property. I bought pets for the pets. Um, and um, they are still very good at herding overall with obviously a little bit of training. Everything takes training, but they have a, they still have a lot of natural. Most Belgians have a lot of natural instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I personally strive for. I do 
I do a minimum of instinct testing on my own personal dogs before I will breed them. I want to make sure to keep that herding instinct alive. That's important to me as a breeder. I think that needs to be kept alive because I think it helps transfer the biddability and the willingness to work in a partnership, the, the uh, working drive transfers into the other things we like to do. Today, a lot of Belgians are used in search and rescue. There's many Tavirum working successfully uh, in search and rescue. One of uh, a dog, a bitch that my dog sired has successful uh, finds in water search. Mm-hmm. And they're now training her in avalanche rescue as well. So all the Belgian varieties have been used in search and rescue successfully. Uh, topper, Snowflower's main topper was a Belgian Tavirum um, that was involved during 9-11. And he won an AKC ACE Award, which is exceedingly prestigious award. And it, his was under um, community service. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he he was an amazing uh, search dog, an amazing search dog. And he actively worked to help find uh, people and uh, remains after 9-11, but also in other FEMA disasters. He, he was one of the few FEMA disaster uh, certified uh, Belgians that's, that's been out there. So search and rescue is a current day use that they still excel in. Uh, they do fantastic in agility. They are wonderful agility dogs. They do fantastic in obedience. They do fantastic. They are more and more getting involved in dock diving, of all things. The Malinois really excel in dock diving. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Trevure and also there's more people doing it. And there's some Belgian sheepdogs who are doing real well. And the Lakemois, for as small of a population as we have of Lakemois in the United States, there are some Lakemois that are doing fabulous with dock diving, too. So that's a sport that they're enjoying. Uh, they use them in tracking and also scent work. Um, and scent work has become a sport based off of the idea of teaching a dog to detect a, a scent, like a drug scent or a bomb scent or a scent for a human. Well, they've converted that into a sport and they use a specific smell like um, cedar wood or birch wood. They use specific oils that they train the dogs to find and they hide them. And of course, the first, the lower levels are easier. And then as you get up to the upper echelon of the sport, it gets more and more decreasing, increasingly difficult. And they hide things in very challenging and difficult spots. And there's several, several children who have excelled within the nosework sports. Um, and it's really fun to watch them work. They are still used by some police departments, but not as regularly as the Malinois. Um, they are and can be used in protection sports. Uh, the IPO, which we used to call Schutzend, mm-hmm. um, the bite work sports. But to be honest, if you're serious about that, the um, Malinois tend to be bred more towards that. There are lines of Malinois, not all Malinois bred for that. Mm-hmm. But there are more what they call working lines that were bred more specifically towards that to have more of mm-hmm. that bite and prey drive. Um, but there are some Tavern who have done quite well, and they certainly are still used for that and used in that capacity today as well. Um, again, they are a wonderful jack-of-all-trades breed. Mm-hmm. They really are. Um, another thing that they've done, that they've done well in and, and thrived in is uh, disc sports, frisbee dogs, mm-hmm. disc sports. 
Um, so all of those things are things, sports and things that they are currently being used in today and, and excel within all of those parameters. And of course, my personal love is the confirmation ring. I enjoy running left-hand circles because I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's my personal passion. I used to do a lot of performance sports. Um, time and money becomes a factor for many of us. Mm -hmm. And for me, confirmation is what I love to do. So that is what I do mm -hmm. as my primary, my primary thing. And, uh, but you know, I take my dogs hiking. I take my dogs. Oh, my dogs go and do many things. You know, they, like I said, they love to camp. We, we've got one, I call them adventure dog. Uh, coaster is kind of known. <laughs> and if we show up at a trailhead and he's not there, they're like, where's coaster? <laughs> I could not show up. Nobody cares. But yeah. where's Coaster? <laughs> <laughs> when you look at a Belgian Javeren or a Belgian Sheepdog, because they have the long hair, the first instinct is, yikes, that's a lot of hair. Mm -hmm. I am here to tell you, yes, it is coat. But if it's proper texture, and the breed standard calls for moderately coarse coat, it shouldn't be really soft and silky. If it's correct texture... It's actually very easy to care for. And surprisingly, all of that coat, you would think, oh, that's a dog that can't stand the heat. Most of my Bel Belgians have very good heat tolerance because that coat, when it's clean and kept brushed out, you don't allow it to clump up real bad, insulates against the heat as well as the cold. Um, yes, they'll pick up mud when they're running in the yard, but when it's proper texture, it dries and slides, mostly slides off, unless you have a lot of clay, in which case you're going to, you know, clay dries and gets hard. But if you have sandier soil, it slides right off. Um, they're, they're not a breed that gets a serious, real doggy odor to them, like my hunting dogs. My hunting dogs, I can give them a bath on Monday, and by Friday, I'm catching a whiff of dog. Yeah, all right. My turf, I can give a bath on Monday and maybe not have to give him a bath again for three months before I catch a whiff of a dog. Mm -hmm. There's just, there's that big of a difference. Um, interestingly enough, my Lakamois, his coat tends to get a little oilier and I notice he smells doggier a little bit faster than the Chiburin because it's just a little bit different type of coat. It's a very coarse coat, mm -hmm. more like you would find on an Airedale. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, it's got a little different oil distribution, I think, is why you get a little bit of that different doggy odor to it faster than the turf coat for whatever reason. But um, as a general rule of thumb, a good brushing once a week keeps the coat completely tangled free. Males will shed out once to twice a year, when, and it's a big shed. So you, you'll blow a bunch of undercoat, and you'll get it done in a week or so if you're smart and you bathe them real good and blow them out real good, you're done blowing coat. You don't get a lot of coat. I mean, they'll drop a little bit of undercoat, but you don't get tons and tons of coat around the house all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you do with a Labrador Retriever who sheds coat 24 seven mm -hmm. or a German Shepherd who sheds coat 24 seven or my Lakemois who sheds undercoat 24 seven. <laughs> it's amazing how much more coat I end up out of him than I do for my turbs. Bitches definitely will blow coat twice a year. Um, it corresponds with their heat cycles. So, um, um, but coat care, if it's correct coat texture, overall is actually fairly easy to live with and not that hard. 
They don't require you to take them into a professional groomer regularly. Again, a good brush. And um, I own a forced air dryer because it makes my life faster and easier, but it's certainly not 100% of a necessity. I just, I'm lazy. I don't like to line brush flowers on end, so I use the blower to knock out dead coat in a hurry and to get the coat dry in a hurry. If it's raining and I bring them in and they got a little mud on their legs, I throw them up on my grooming table, hit them with the dryer, and boom, they're dry and they come in the house nice and clean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my spiel on coat care. It's really not that bad of a coat to live with for a longer-coated breed of dog if it's correct coat texture. I will tell you I've owned two dogs that had a bit softer coat texture, which is why I am kind of a stickler on coat texture in my breeding program because when it is softer, you have to brush them out more frequently. You should be brushing them out twice a week because it that softer undercoat will tend to mat up, where the harsher undercoat just doesn't tend to mat up. It just doesn't. Um, it's pretty easy to stay on top of. Pretty much... And AKC showing. UKC is totally different than AKC. UKC showing has different rules about grooming, mm-hmm. and they're more serious, and they enforce them more. So in UKC, it really is brush and go. Mm-hmm. Um, AKC, they say no foreign products in the coat, and they say this and that, but the rules are rarely enforced. And to be on a serious level, there's more grooming that occurs. We over-groom all of the breeds of dogs in AKC. You know, we if they're white, we're throwing chalk on them, whether they're short coated or long coated. If they're <laughs> if they're if they're brown, we're throwing brown chalk. On. I mean, there, there's a million and one things we do to the different breeds. Mm-hmm. But Belgians in general are shown fairly naturally. We generally, the standard does not say that you can't groom them. But what it does say is we show them naturally no excessive posing. So we don't want them shown in an exaggerated pose like a German Shepherd, mm-hmm. which is great for a German Shepherd, but not great for a Belgian, right? Right. So grooming itself for a show, my normal routine is I generally don't trim whiskers. On rare occasion, there's a few dogs that might get their whiskers trimmed for specific reasons. But we generally don't trim whiskers. We we tidy up the feet. We take long hairs off the top of the feet and take the hair off the, from underneath the pads of the feet. And that's most of all we do for trimming. We don't do a lot of trimming. So you don't have to invest in millions of dollars worth of scissors. And you aren't going to be doing lots of scissoring on your dog. You just don't need to do that. A really good line brushing routine where you've separated out and cleaned out all the dead undercoat and freshly cleaned bathed coat brushed out well at day of dog show i like to spritz them down with water and maybe a little bit of botifier and you will get you know some breeders would tell you a botifier is a sin i'm a very competitive person i know what i have to compete against in my region and i know what it takes to win in groups because I have to compete against all the other breeds and groups, right? Mm-hmm. So I will throw a little bit of modifier, definitely throw a lot of spritz a lot of water into the coat, and then I take the blower and blow that out just to fluff the coat up and make it look nice and fresh, freshly bathed, and a little fuller. Um, and that is honestly about it. Really, I can have a dog prepped to look beautiful to walk into the group ring in under 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a breed that takes 10 hours of grooming. It's, I, that's why I love it. I show collies, and I love collies. And I have some wonderful collie friends who, who I get to show collies for. 
But that's a breed that takes a lot of preparation because they do a lot more with the coats when they're being shown. Mm-hmm. You know, that's over, that's over an hour of prep work per collie. Um, a Belgian is not. At, at the worst, I'm going to spend 30 minutes. Generally, I have it done in, in, in about 10. When you have correct coat, there's not a lot you have to do. And mostly, I spread some fluff to make me feel better. I just feel it gives a little more polished look. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much wash and wear. Even though they're a longer coated breed, they're fairly wash and wear. They're not a breed that we have to do a lot of fussing with. Definitely yeah. is a misconception with people. And, and again, I'm not saying that we never groom them because right. I, I do do some grooming. But comparatively, for a longer coated breed, when you have a good coat texture, it's it's minimal amount of work. Mm-hmm. AKC breed standards do vary a little bit from each of the four varieties, but they're basically mostly identical. Mm-hmm. Um, the variance, the main variance is that in... Uh, Malinois and Belgian Sheepdogs, they can be an inch shorter and a half inch taller than the Tuvieran can be. We All four varieties have a disqualification for height. Mm-hmm. And that means that the standard states that, uh, that the breed has to be not under a certain height and not over a certain height. In Tuvieran, in AKC, bitches must be no smaller than 21 inches tall and no taller than 24 and a half inches tall. The preferred range is 22 to 24 inches. Mm-hmm. In males, in dogs, the, the males in Tiburin, males can't be under 23 inches tall, and they may not be over 26 and a half inches tall, and the preferred range is 24 to 26 inches in height is the preferred range. Mm-hmm. If they are under or over the standard range, that would be a disqualification. The judge, if they felt your dog was not in standard, is supposed to measure with an official AKC wicket, and there's a whole process for that. And I do recommend that anyone that shows any breed that has a disqualification for height, before you ever step in the ring, you know what your height of your dog is Mm -hmm. and understand and make sure it's in standard. If you choose to show it, even though it's not in standard, that's certainly your choice, but just be prepared that you can get disqualified. With a height dis, dis- I can't talk. With a height disqualification in Belgians, we do not make an age allowance, mm-hmm. and AKC does not make an age allowance unless the breed standard specifically states such. So, a six-month-old puppy is expected to be in standard. Now, I have owned bitches and dogs both that were not in standard at six months, so I choose not to show them until they reach standard. That's my personal choice. Right. Um, I have seen people who have shown them and I have seen judges wicked them out. If you are wicked out and you're not in standard, that's a disqualification. Mm-hmm. You are given three strikes and you're out with a height disqualification under AKC's rules. So, you know, if, if that happens three times in a row, your dog is permanently disqualified. It can never show in confirmation again. Okay. They can do other things, and they could still be bred, but they could never show in confirmation again. If once they're permanently disqualified for height, they're permanently disqualified for height. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one thing that we have in our standard to pay attention to. Belgians are supposed to be a square breed, and in Tiburon, we want a square breed measured from point of chest to point of rump. 
is how we measure for square. So that length should also be equal to point of wither down to ground. That should approximate a square. Um, then you also want to look at proportion. Basically, your body depth from the elbow up to the wither versus from the elbow to the ground should be pretty equal. Because, again, we're approximating a square. Right. Um, they should not be really long in body. They should not be really short on leg, nor should they be really short in back and really tall on leg. All of those things are different forms of a rectangle. They are supposed to be a square breed. Uh, the the angles in a chivirin, AKC calls for 90 degree shoulder and 45 degree layback. In reality, that's very difficult to achieve for any breed, period, let alone for a breed that needs to be square. But that is what is called for the ideal. Mm -hmm. Fox are not supposed to be stretched five feet out behind the body. They're supposed to fall right in line, straight down off the hip line. And you want fairly short, strong, parallel hawks. You want a clean, straight front when it's coming, when you're looking at it. And when they are in motion at the trot, they should converge into a single track. So they are a breed that should single track. Their movement should be free and easy, effortless. The breed standard wants effortless movement when in motion, not hard driving like a German Shepherd. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, they are a herding breed. So a herding breed needs to be able to cover ground easily and all day long. So we want to see a strong level top line. We want a moderately long neck. When they're standing, they should appear proud. We want head planes that are parallel. So the muzzle and the back skull should be parallel. They should have a moderate stop. Not lack of stop, but not a big deep stop as well. Um, and we want a chiseled head. It should be a fairly elegant. When you look at a Belgian, you should think elegant, um, but not spindly nor weedy. Mm -hmm. Males should be distinctly masculine. The breed standard literally states males are distinctly masculine. Bitches are distinctly feminine and should not be penalized because they don't carry the same amount of coat and furnishings generally as the males. Um, in our breed, the boys tend to be the peacocks <laughs> with all the plumage and, and the bitches not as much. They, they are more feminine. They're, they're, they should be more feminine. They should be distinctly feminine. Um, the males tend to carry a heavier mane, almost like a lion's mane, mm -hmm. a big rough. The bitches generally don't carry that and are not expected to. Uh, eyes. We want a dark brown eye, slightly almond shape. We don't want a round eye. We don't want a really light eye. Um, head length itself, moderately long. And the back skull, the muzzle should be no shorter than the length of back skull. They should be at minimum of, e of equal. Again, the width of the back skull should be no more than the length of the muzzle if you turned it sideways. We want if we, we, Welcome a muzzle that is slightly longer than length of back skull. We want a clean, longer head with parallel planes and nice chiseling. And we want clean cheeks. We don't want brassette-like bulge at the cheek. Mm -hmm. uh, ear set. They have equal lateral triangular ears set well on top of their head. 
the corner of the um, ear should, or the the ear set should not come below the end of the eyes when they're on top of the head. So they should be set well on top of the head. But top line, nice and straight. Tail should be coming off of a nice moderate, moderately angled croup. It can form kind of a nice, uh, almost saber shape, but should not be curled and hooked and carried way up over the back. The uh, teeth, scissors and uh, pincer bite or level bite are equal in our breed. They are to be treated exactly equal. One is not preferred over the other. Undershot with loss of contact of a quarter inch or more is a disqualification in our breed. And, and that's across the board for all the Belgians. Um, and missing teeth, up to three is a fault. Four or more is a serious fault in our breed. Um, pigmentation should be dark. Mouth pigmentation should be dark. There should be no pink of the lips showing when the mouth is closed. So the darker, the better for mouth pigmentation. You can have some pink, but if the lip, if the mouth is closed, there should be no pink lip showing. The feet, cat, uh, Belgians should have, front feet should be cat foot, rear feet should be hair shaped. It's a challenge to get two different shapes. So if you have really good cat feet in the front, you'll often have them more in the rear, or if you tend to have hair foot in the rear, you'll tend to have hair foot in the front. I personally prefer the cat foot because it's nice and tight, little, little, nice, tight feet tend to have less broken toe issues in my experience with hair-footed dogs versus cat-footed dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the standard does call for cat foot in the front and slightly hair foot, hair toed in the rear. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, in terms of the standard in general, let's talk temperament. So the Belgian, Belgian Tavirin, is a dog that, per the standard, should be confident. Per the standard, can not care about the strangers, but they should not never be fearful of strangers. They primarily have eyes for their owners and are most zealous with those that they know and, and consider family and friends. Um, we use the term aloof as breeders, to mean, you know, they they don't need to care, and they don't. The standard doesn't specifically state aloof, but they do state that they can be wary of strangers. Wary should not mean fearful. Wary means that they're thoughtful and paying attention, going, what's going on with these people over here? Once you indicate that the situation is under control and okay, they should relax and be able to accept that. They, They are not supposed to be fearful. FCI and AKC standard are both clear on that. They are not supposed to be fearful. They should be a confident breed. Um, They are an energetic breed. Our standard specifically states, when not under command, Belgian Tavirin are always in motion. (laughs) So again, they're not a breed for somebody that wants a total couch potato or just hang out, lay out on the porch backyard dog that doesn't want to do stuff. Now, with that said, can they hang out and be very calm and cool and collected and get along in the house? You bet they can. It takes a little bit of training, and it takes some dedication to making sure that they have enough mental stimulation and, and, and exercise outlet 
a couple times a day so that when they do come in, it's easy to want to lay down and relax, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I drink a lot of coffee and I don't have a busy day, I'm more keyed up and I'm like, I got to do something. I get jittery, right? If I've been working all day long and I put in a 10-hour day and I went out and cleaned horse stalls and I dealt with all my dog chores, by the time I sit down at the end of the day, I'm ready to not move. Right. (laughs) And, and it's the same way for the Belgians. And really, in all honesty, it's that way for most all breeds of dogs. But the Belgians are an active breed by nature, so they need a job. They need things to burn off mental energy. I find that giving them mental jobs wears them out far faster than uh, thinking you can throw the ball 100 times and then bring them in, they'll be tired. Because they won't. They'll just build up stamina. Um, but the mental energy, mental workout gets them to the ability where they can come in and they relax um and uh but they aren't a breed for somebody that doesn't really want to do anything all day long there is there is not a weight disqualification um we do not have a weight disqualification on average the average that you'll find to to find a dog or a bitch within standard if they're if they're truly within standard and they're meeting our, our moderate oval bone because our bone shouldn't be round and we shouldn't either be heavy nor spindly and cumber you know so we shouldn't be heavy and cumbersome nor spindly average bitches depending on how tall they are are going to range from 35 to 50 pounds maximum mm-hmm. average males you're going to see an average range of about 53 to 70 pounds maximum most of my boys, and, and I don't tend to have tiny boys, although I've, I've had a few on the smaller side, but most of my boys, even my biggest boy, who was had the most bone and was 25 and a half inches tall, he came right in, in his prime, well-muscled, not heavy at all, because I, I, I'm a big proponent for keeping our dogs fit and trim. Mm-hmm. I should be as much for myself, but I'm but I'm good with it without dogs. Right. Um, he came right in at 69 pounds, 69 to 70. That was all he ever topped out at. His father was actually an inch taller, or well, three-quarters of an inch. His father was 26 and a quarter inches tall, and he weighed between 68 and 69 pounds his whole life. Okay. Um, and then he had a son who was also about the same, came in at 26 inches, 26 and a quarter inches tall, and he ranged between 65 and 67 pounds his whole life. So they appear huge with all of that fur, but they, they aren't supposed to be 80-pound dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, again, all-purpose farm dog that can go all day, and it's harder to go all day when you weigh 110 pounds. Right. Definitely. You know? Yeah. 